0: Call in my prayer. It is simple and clear. It wants me to give and receive love. I call in the light to make everything right
1: and show me the way to just be love and show me the way to just be love. Hello and welcome everyone to rewire your attachment with Maya Diamond. I'm here today with Mark, who is a wonderful man who is actually my mom's partner. And the reason that I chose to talk to Mark today is because I thought, I really want to interview a man who is securely attached and who is the most securely attached man I know? So I thought through my Rolodex of men and thought and thought and thought. And Mark just really stood out as a really healthy, loving, secure man. And so we're just going to talk about, you know, relationships, love, communication, intimacy, trust, all these really important topics when it comes to healthy secure relating. So I'm so excited to introduce you today to Mark and we're going to, so welcome Mark.
0: Thank you, Maya. Thank you. Thank you for saying such kind things.
1: Yeah. So we'll start with this question that's really near and dear to my heart, which is, what does emotionally intelligent mean to you? What does, what do those words mean to you?
0: That's a great question. It's a great place to begin. I, emotional intelligence for me is, does someone have the ability to really connect? Does someone have the ability to be compassionate, to um, express empathy, to understand what you're talking about, not only on the issue level, but also the feelings underneath? It came to me, I had to I had come to this place in my life. I wasn't born with a lot of emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. nor did I learn much, much emotional intelligence when I was educated in, in elementary school, high school, or college. It came to me later on, and I realized how critical it was, that it was, mm-hmm. in my work, it was as important as IQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's rare. It's, har- it's hard to find it in men, particularly of my age group, -hmm. It's more common, I think, in younger men, but uh, not always. Mm -hmm. Do you want a little
1: more? Yeah, so I'm so curious. What was that? um, What kind of work are you speaking of? Where you felt like it was really important, and and around how old were you when that turning point came?
0: Well, I was. I became a mediator. Um, I was a political activist for a long time and a community organizer, and it led me into the field of conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. And I, as I entered the field of conflict resolution, I, be, I became a mediator. And as I became a mediator, I realized how much I had to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I really had to learn so much. And, uh, and I realized that I really needed to learn how to identify with people. Uh, in conflict, that conflict had an issues level and it had an interest level, which we can talk about the underlying drive and fire that would give disputes uh, power. And, um, you know, you take a simple thing and with a couple like, uh, you know, you know, Oh, oh, I can't stand the way you drive. Like you're driving with someone and, you know, I don't like the way you drive, you know, and you start an argument about, about Driving and what's safe and what's not, and then you learn as an, as a mediator and later as a, a counselor, I became a therapist out, out of it is that that's just a symptom there's something else driving yeah. driving the dispute, and I had to pay attention because, like I said, it didn't come natural to me Beautiful. wish I yeah, had learned so, it when I was younger,
1: <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like you really you realize. I wanna go deeper, I wanna understand, be able to be even more compassionate, even more emotionally aware. And so I'm gonna kind of take on learning these skills. Yes. Yes. And um, I know you're in a men's group, and I'm curious, how long have you been in this men's group and how do you feel like it's shaped you as a man?
0: This men's group, I've been in for over over twenty years it's a it's a different kind of a men's group than a men's support group like emotionally support group a small group I've been in those too this group started strangely it, it really I have a friend of mine who's kind of a sports addict and he started to gather a few guys together to go over his house and watch either basketball or football and what happened was we decided we did that for a while and we said you know let's let's span this out a little bit let's Let's have the let's meet once a month on a weekday and 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 we'll invite people and um, one person gets to call it and it could be a going to a, a, a play having dinner together afterwards in other words it would take any shape or somebody might say you know let's talk about um, uh, have a conversation about humor or politics or and we'd get together and talk about all kinds of different ideas and, I, and, and items and people would just show up, those people who were interested in it. Well, this has continued over 20 years. It's very casual and people have emotional support things that happen on the side, you know, like for instance, when I first went to the group, I was the, I was the uh, oldest man and mm-hmm. I had been in, you know, i had a couple of divorces in my life mm-hmm. and I was the only person in the group out of more than a dozen men who had ever been divorced. Mm. And one one night they asked me, Mark, how do you feel about being the only person who's had Mm. multiple relations, multiple wives and spouses? And I said, I "I feel pretty good about it. I said, but that's only temporary, you understand. Yeah. (laughs) And everyone looked at me. You know, I said, this is not going to stay the same here as it is right now because, you know, there's adult development. People become different people, you know. I said, you know, till death do us part is kind of a nice saying, but it's actually, it's sort of a myth based on very short lifespans and a different time in the world. Mm-hmm. I said, but it, it, it doesn't have to do with adult development. So we talk about, their, well, more than half of them are divorced now. And um, we talk about relationship. Yeah. With the with women. It's actually, you know what, is anyone in the group? Okay, I don't think so. No, it's all actually okay. heterosexual, heterosexual men. men. Yeah. yeah, it's all heterosexual yeah. men. I just for the first time I just thought about it. Um, I never thought about it before. Huh.
1: And I love you just brought up the word women, and I want to jump to this question, which is, what is your? How do you hold? Like, I believe that the way we hold the the gender, other genders. Is kind of the way we relate to them really impacts the way we relate to our partner right so if our partner is another gender for example your partner is a woman how and I believe your views on women how you hold women in general how you think of women in the world in general really impacts the way you relate to your partner for example if you have a hard time respecting women it might be hard to respect your female partner Or if you have a hard time believing that women are powerful, you know, it might be hard to um, believe that it's okay for your partner who's a woman to be powerful, things like that. So, and vice versa for men, if you feel like all men are untrustworthy, it's gonna be really hard to trust your partner who's a man, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious, like, if you kind of felt into, what is your relationship with just women? Like, how do you hold women?
0: I I I'm a I'm a very lucky man. I had a my dad who is still alive. He's ninety, going on ninety nine. Yeah. He um, shout out to Luca. Yeah. He's (laughs) he's taught he taught my brother and I particularly Mm -hmm. uh, to be very respectful to to women when we were very young. Mm -hmm. He he was really clear about all kinds of things. You know, in a very, you know, in a very wholesome way. You know, he and my, my mother and my father had a beautiful relationship. They were so respectful of each other. So I learned respect for women. My, and was very close to my women in my family Yeah, uh, from a very young age. You know, I love yeah. them all. They were all different and all great, you know, and they made me laugh. They took care of me. They nurtured me more, much more so than the men. The men uh-huh. were different levels of su- supportive from none at all to you know hope they paid attention to me sometimes, so my my attachment to women is pretty healthy. Right. I look at women as you know wonderful beings um, who I would be really happy if they expressed their power more you know because um, men could take a back seat and they have a lot to learn from women um, that 's I, what I believe and i 've learned a lot in my life and i don't and i watch my friends learn a lot and I believe that's probably, you know, um, across the board true, uh, that women have a lot to teach men if they'll allow themselves to be taught. Um, So I really hold men, I hold women in a very special place, and I've had great friendships with women most of my life. I've had the honor of being asked to be at a number of births in my, my mm. life that were friends, women friends of mine mm. just asked me to keep their husband's company or attend a birth or, and that helps being, you know, watching a birth is, you know, if you want to understand how special women are.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, the power. That, yeah.
0: That'll do <laughs> <In> it. And strength.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. No. Um, and then speaking of women. Yeah. I'd love for you to just share a little bit about what was your relationship with your mother growing up you know, yeah, how did you feel in terms of that relationship, that connection? What was that mm-hmm. like?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I deeply love my mother, and um, she passed away more than 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I was the first born in an Italian-American working-class family in New York mm-hmm. City, middle mm-hmm. um, Italy in the Bronx. And she was not educated, uh, formally educated past eighth grade. She grew up in the Depression. Her story is a long story, but her connection to me was um, very powerful. I, she was she was fire. She was she was on fire, you know. She, she had a she was clear about what she needed to do in the world and had to be a good wife to my dad, and she lived it, you know. And when I came in the world as the firstborn, I got a lot of attention. Yeah And uh, yeah, and she would play with me a lot. And She was more of a stay-at-home mom then, and she sort of gave me uh, more attention. But as she got older, she went back. She did some work outside the home. Mm-hmm. I was more complicated when my brother was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were very close. We would hang out and play cards together, and we would talk. And she would ask me all kinds of questions. I mean, mm-hmm. I was comfortable enough with her to discuss puberty with her as a young boy, you know. Wow. And she wow. was... Um, she was enough in the game to yeah. be able to, uh, help me to a well, point and then to defer to my dad, you know, yeah. so you, you should talk to your father about that one, Yeah, you know? and, uh, I was really close to her. I loved her a lot. She's a great woman.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. She sounds very solid and powerful yeah. and loving and nurturing
0: yeah.
1: and, th- and there for you in ways that, that, yeah, you really needed. And she was so, she was available because she was at home, so that's huge. She was huge. really
0: available. Yeah, she was really available, and uh, she had an incredible history. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, some of it wasn't wasn't was even clear to her what her history was because her mom died so mm-hmm. so young. Mm-hmm. But my mom really uh, didn't take a lot of jive from people. She really, you know,
1: she had boundaries. She,
0: she had boundaries and she really told people what they thought, what she thought of what was going on. Uh, and she, but she encouraged me like my dad would be to be very respectful of young uh, girls who I knew and women, you know, and stuff, even if I learned something counter uh, to that, to be, you know, so I felt like I had really good mentoring around that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. Um, and how long have you been in your current relationship and what is your favorite <laughs> quality in your current partner?
0: Oh my word. <laughs> so I don't know if you've ever heard of her before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I met Judy, what? I don't know. Seven, we're over, over, probably over seven, a little over oh, seven years this month. Actually. Yeah. Wow. You know, seven years ago, yeah. we met online and, uh, She was in California and I was on the East coast. It's a story by itself, but I'll tell you what I learned a lot right from the beginning was we, because we were, we bounced into each other a couple of times over a couple of years of being online. Mm -hmm. And then I started to have a conversation with her, which lasted probably two months before I met her, it wasn't intentional except that she was coming East to visit um, her daughter, her other daughter. And, um, I said, great. Well, you know, I think about 250 miles from here, probably down the top 100 miles. Why don't I come down and we'll meet? I said, and in the meantime, we can just chat. You know, yeah. and we did. And yeah. I got to learn a lot about her. And what I love about her is I love that she's um, smart in her experience. She's mm-hmm. a lot of experience. She's very wise.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, she's got fiber to her. There's strength. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's and her experience was um, not dissimilar to, to mine. Sometimes she was a lawyer, and then a mediator, and then she actually she became a therapist. You know, and she does couples work now. And I was a uh, community activist, and then I became a mediator, and then a, a therapist, and then I was ultimately a coach. Um, and so we had tremendous overlap, and especially in the area of conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, we I knew what it was. She was around in the beginning of the mediation movement and conflict resolution coaching, and I was too. And I knew what a spiritual path was. Yeah. And so early on I said to her, I know who you are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know who I am. We know what they're what where we came from.
1: The same language. Yeah. A really big language. language. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was a delight to speak the same language. Because, you know, even though I had other I've I've had other relationships, other, uh, I've been in marriages in my life. And I knew that very after I met your mom, that we would have a very close communication, uh, very close relationship in the area of communication. Right. And I was not worried about resolving conflict with her because I knew that we knew where to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew we'd have conflict, but we would know how to resolve it. Right. Exactly. And and so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. So I just we always fall back to that. We start laughing at each other, you know, sometimes we just say, you know, well, look, you know, you irritate me and I irritate you sometimes. That's natural. Okay, so what are we going to do with that? Yeah. You know, it's perfectly natural to be irritated by the person you're living with. If you don't get irritated, mm, mm, I question whether you're really in the game. I mean, because you're not a, a rubber stamp of the other person. No, there's no.
1: always going to be differences. There's I love always
0: that. differences. Yeah. And and so what are we going to do with it? Yeah. And, and, I, and I love it. I know when I get on the phone with her, if I'm funky or she's feeling funky, I can say to her, okay, I'm just going to be here for you right now and ask you some questions. Mm. And she'll say, oh, you know, mm. I can listen to you or not. She said, I can't listen to you right now. Let's not talk about that right now. Let's talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I... I don't freak out. I just say, okay, yeah, that sounds really good. Because yeah. what I believe about being in a relationship is you absolutely have to take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you take care of yourself first, mm-hmm. um, you will have the capacity to take, help the other person and support them. Mm-hmm. And you know when you're on an airplane and you're with the child like, many times and they tell you when the oxygen mass drops, right. Put yours on first, yeah. then take care of the child. Okay, yeah. you have to, to put your own oxygen on. Yeah, and that goes in relationship too. You got to take care of yourself.
1: Right, exactly. Beautiful. So yeah, yeah. let's. That brings us to to self care, which mm. I love. Which is exactly like when we really do our own self care when we're when we have our own work life balance when we're able to take care of ourselves physically and emotionally and spiritually, then we do show up so much better in a relationship, right? That's a hundred percent true across the board. And so I'm curious. Yeah. What are your self care things that you do? Cause I know that that you do have a lot of self care things. So I'm curious what's important, you know, and especially for men, I feel like it's really important for men to hear this because what I've seen in our society is men have been kind of given the rule book, the script that they need to be working, working, success, success, purpose. That's what's the most important thing. And the truth is then they don't have enough time, energy, or resources to really be there for their partner. If they're in their family, if they're constantly working all the time. Right. And so, um, or, yeah, just if if there's not enough self-care, then they can't be there emotionally for their partner or their children exactly. And so I'm curious, what are the things that keep you really healthy and sane?
0: Well, there's a number of things, actually, that I mm-hmm. do. And I realize how important – you know, it's funny we're talking about this during this time of the, yes. the, the national the virus, you know, the, virus and yeah. the coronavirus, because I've had to really uh, reorganize myself to – to survive at a, at a better level in, in isolation, in more isolation. So um, the things that I am really conscious about self-care is my, it's how I live my day. First of all, I mean, I get up every morning and I, I get out of bed, you know, I, I visit the bathroom and then I am down on the floor doing uh, stretching exercises. They're not elaborate, you know, but there's 25 minutes of stretching, a little bit of meditation, some Tai Chi, because after getting up, after being asleep, my job is to center myself so then I can move into my day with a uh, clear conscience. You Hit know, us. like I want to be clear. And try I, so I take care of myself right away. And I learned this when uh, I had two young children, eight and four, and my spouse and I separated. And I had them about 60%, 50 to 60% of the time. And um, mm-hmm. I realized that I couldn't take care of them in the morning unless I took care of myself first. So I adjusted my entire schedule to get up an hour before them. And I would Amazing. stretch, yep. eat, do whatever I needed to do. And then when I woke them up, I was yep. there for them. Present and available. Totally present. Yep. And yep. that's what I do really, f- I, you know, so I start that way, but it's also about exercise, you know, currently I'm walking 40 or 50 miles a week. Nice. Uh, I do, Beautiful. you know, I do whatever I need to do, take good diet wise, you know, I try to take really good care of myself, pay attention to what my body needs and emotionally uh, declare where I'm at. I think that's the hardest thing for men to do because mm. when you're when you're trained to work all the time, like when I'm a coach, there's a lot, there's a lot of overlap here between coaching and, and taking good care of yourself. Yeah. I always have to, to say to men male clients female most m- women know this already is. Yeah. What sh- what how do you balance your day?
1: Yeah.
0: How do you take care of yourself? And yeah. I say do you understand that you know there's another name for work it's called the uh, workaholism is the addiction that everyone applauds. Right. Right. And and they look at me. I yeah. said do you know that workaholism has a downside? Yes or no? What is it? How would you tell me what the downside is? Yeah. It's interesting to watch men struggle. Women do not struggle. They, they know where they're disconnected. Okay. Men struggle um, a little bit. So that's what I would say is, you know, as a man, I had to learn, one, to be to really love not working full-time. Yes! And go, go for that as a goal in my life and say mm-hmm. I'm not going to work full-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, people when I first started doing it, men, a lot of my friends thought I was bananas um <laughs> and i just said now that's what i'm going to do because i was taking care of my children too you know i said yeah. i'd rather put more time into my kids and yeah yeah so i think taking Beautiful. care of yourself knowing what you want and giving yourself time to figure things out also enables you to be in relationship like uh you know i'm i'm happy in the relationship or i'm not this is what's wrong yeah be able to
1: communicate what they're Beautiful. Which brings me to my next question, which is how do you, so exactly, we always have, there's always going to be, you know, maybe new desires or preferences or feedback in a relationship that we need to communicate. And I believe that the way that we communicate that is important to our partner. Like and so I'm just curious, like, when do you communicate it? How do you communicate it? Like, what does it look like for you in terms of feedback and preferences? How are you commun- How do you communicate that
0: and when? You mean, do you mean to, to communicate feedback, I want to give to the other person or a preference that I want to uh, uh, state? Or a
1: request,
0: yeah. A request? Yeah. Oh, boy, those are tricky, aren't they? Yes. Um, yes. And so important. Feedback is, let's start with feedback because feedback is where you touch on the conflict resolution. You know, when you give feedback, I used to coach in the workplace and there's really not a lot of difference between feedback in the workplace and feedback in relationship. Yeah. there's really not that much. And I would, the way I, I try to act the way I speak about it, which is that if you're going to to give someone feedback, you have to ask their permission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do they want to hear it? Mm-hmm. And can we make a time for it, or is now okay? Yeah, yeah. And then, two. What I tried to lead with, I just did it today. Actually, with a friend, I went for a walk, and uh, I really thanked him quite a bit for all the things he does for me in my life and how he participates with me and how much deeply appreciated um, uh, the the whole relationship. So. That's the that I give that out first. And yeah. in, my, in my work, I try to practice. I always teach practice three to one. Notice three things you see positive about the one person before the one thing you can identify that you'd like them to change. And then I'll, I'll ask them that I noticed something and I, I'll try to figure out why they said it to me or what the value was in saying it to me. Yeah. And then say, you know, do you want to add something to that? And we'll talk about it for a while and then, you know. You know, I'd like it to change, and how I'd like it to change. Right? I'd like it to look differently. So, and I try to uh, show it as a behavior. I try to identify it as a behavior that someone is using, and it has a positive and negative side to it. Like,
1: Mm, love
0: that. uh, Yeah, that there's you can overdo something like criticism. Um, Right. Yeah. You give someone too much of it, and you know, or it's a, it, there's a bunch of different stuff. So I, what I try to do is identify people don't like to change and they only like to change a little at a time. And so give someone a little bit that they can deal with. A little it's bit. A little, little bit. bit. Yeah. But if you don't like the way I dress, right. And you know, now women would like, would care usually about that more than men. Right. And they usually don't notice that much. But all I would say is that, okay, is there's something that you like that the way that I do dress, no of course. Why don't you tell me that first? And we'll talk about that for a little bit. Oh, I like that you wear a turtleneck. It's Vermont. I love turtlenecks. Yeah. So, uh, and then we'll talk a little more and then I'll say, Hey, would you what you got some feedback for me on on clothing? Great. And it can do that with anything, driving, clothing, whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that I love the compliments first. It's really the or another great. I love what you said about appreciation. It could just be an appreciation. It doesn't have to be a you know compliment. Sometimes right. it can feel a little bit too much. But like wow, I really appreciate you know when you take out the trash every day. That makes me so happy. And you know, I'm wondering if you could also maybe take out the compost. That would just like really, really bring me so much joy and um, make me feel really provided for whatever it is. So just that, like, it's amazing to me how those, how it's not easy to do the appreciation first. This isn't easy, what what Mark is saying, in my opinion. It's not easy, but when you think it through before giving the feedback, you can kind of think like, oh, how am I going to give this feedback? Oh, maybe I can give a couple appreciations. What are, what's some things I'm really appreciating about this person? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then give it to them. And, and it can be just so much more, the person can take it in so much more, right? It's like, we want the person, if you're giving your feed partner feedback, you want the person to be able to receive it and not to shut down or close down or feel criticized or hurt or blamed, et cetera. So I love what you said about the appreciation as well as the, you know, asking, is this an okay, I'd love to share some feedback. Is this an okay, or I'd love to check in about some things. Is this an okay time? Or is maybe tonight better or whatever?
0: It can be so respectful. You know, if you're in the, in the pyramid of, take a pyramid of uh, communicating with the people we love, particularly in the workplace, but it's the same in a relationship, is if you want someone to change their behavior, you have to show them that you care for them. Mm. You have to demonstrate that, because that's what they'll hear. They'll hear the love first, yeah. and then they'll hear that you want, you know, I mean, you know, I, I can get, you know, you I can, I can uh, spread the love even further, yeah. if I change this one behavior and I really try to, to step back here Maya and I when I look at someone I say oh you know they're bugging me and how are they bugging me you know it's like oh you know I, I wish they would change that behavior I can't believe they're still doing that you know, like when you know your mom may do something and I know her really well and she knows me really well and I and I wanted to do something different and I could say something like you know oh my god you know, I've told you 45 times about that and you still don't do it. Oh my God, that's so derogatory. How do you feel when someone says that to you? You know, that you're stupid or you you feel horrible. But if you say to someone, you think about what you really want them to do different. And then I walk up to what your mother in particular, and I say, um, I try to hug her from the back. She might be cooking. She's a fabulous cook, and I might want to give her, I give her a hug, maybe a kiss on the neck, you know, and say, Oh my God, I can't believe you're making another incredible meal, you know. And then you know she'll smile or something like that. You know, who doesn't like a kiss on the back of the neck and a hug? And uh, she might say, you know, and I might say a little later, and you know what? I'd love to talk with you a little later, or I want to chat with you when we're not cooking. Can I help you finish this up, this meal up? Yeah. You know. and it's just in the context of living together yeah Uh, because that's how the disconnects happen they happen one disconnect at a time
1: Mm,
0: i mean mm. yes true people do have affairs and they do uh horrible things to each other but i think that that's symptomatic
1: right i can
0: tell you from my life and Mm -hmm. the things that i've done wrong in my life Mm -hmm. that those disconnects have happened one small disconnect at a time and then it's led to something large right like, exactly like, exactly maybe we shouldn't live together anymore right what <laughs> no? right where did that just come from <laughs> right you know so I, yeah. You, you, yeah does that make sense does that make sense
1: yes a hundred percent it's like when we have those disconnects where maybe someone feels shamed or criticized or hurt or blamed or or neglected or you know um, then it's like, and there and there's no repair. Um, then those things add up over time, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. or or feeling like yeah agreements aren't being kept or feeling like you know commitments aren't being kept or feeling like um, or feeling like the communication just keeps coming in a really critical or harsh or mean way. You know, it's like those things. I think we can all you know we can all takes some of that, but if it, if, if there's not enough repair and not enough feelings of safety and trust, and that's what, just cause again, the, the whole theme of this podcast is secure, is, you know, reweighing your attachment style to me, secure attachment. One of the biggest things that it means is, you know, safety, trust, love. Right. So it's like, We will all want to feel that safety, trust, and love in relationship. And what Mark is talking about is like, how do we cultivate that with the most important person in our lives? Mm -hmm. How do we keep that love and intimacy alive and blossoming and growing and, you know, continuing to flourish and tend to that garden of our relationship over mm. time. Because what I see is it's so easy in the beginning, you know, we all we all know this, in the beginning of relationships, you know, most people, all the attachment styles that I see, most people can really do all of this very, very well. But when it comes to long-term, over time, being able to do this day in and day out and really show up, as this loving, kind, present, you know, healthy person with healthy communication, healthy boundaries, healthy um, respect for yourself and the other, that's where, you know, the rubber meets the road. And so I love that you're just talking about all these day-to-day things because, and, and also about conflict resolution, because I believe that it's exactly, it's not the like the love passion or like, you know, joyful times that keep a relationship. It's like, how do you work through the, the hard stuff, the conflict that if, Mm -hmm. if, if partners can work through conflict, well, then it's pretty easy to have a great relationship. And so, um, and most of us did not learn how to work through conflict in school, nor did we learn how to um, express our feelings in relationship in school you know, all this emotional intelligence stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's why I'm so passionate about teaching people and coaching people around these topics because we just don't learn this stuff
0: in school. So no, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's it's amazing. pretty silly. It's pretty silly.
0: It's 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 so striking. You need yeah. you you know Of all the things that I was taught in school, I could tell you it had been really interesting if I was taught about emotional intelligence and compassion and patience and appreciating others instead of, um, I don't know, you know, algebra, (laughs) uh, you know, 1.2. You know, I'm just saying that, you know, for those people who want to study that, that's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. um, Most people don't need a (laughs) lot of that.
0: You yeah. don't need a lot of it. No. What you really need to do is figure out how to relate to people in exactly. the world, you know? It's Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and so my my next question is coming back to that feedback thing. So if your partner gives you feedback, makes a request, I'm curious, what is your process? Like what happens for you inside when your partner makes a request or gives feedback? Oh, I just tell them, go, go, tell it
0: to, go tell it to somebody else. I don't have time for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no. no, no, no. I think what, what I do, and there different things people do. When someone has a feedback for me, I take a deep breath. Okay. Someone says they want to talk to me or they have feedback for me. Like my daughters, I have three daughters. They've taught me more. They've taught me so much about the world. Uh, yeah. And... <clears throat> So if someone has feedback for me, no matter who it is, I, I'm what I do. And I wasn't always like this. I have to tell you, mm-hmm. I would interrupt someone and, you know, probably push back. I take a deep breath and I listen. Okay. And what I do now, and I was, I got this from being a mediator, is just to listen. And I'm making mental notes in my head, you know, about the things that are important. And then what I'm listening for is the feeling underneath you know, um, which is hard for some men to do, you know, Um, it's hard for some women to do, but it's particularly hard for men. I think if people are intellectual, it's more work. Um, And so what's the feeling underneath? Like I was, um, I was with someone who, um, I had a phone call with a friend of mine who I, who, who I had introduced to a woman friend of mine and they had had lunch together and it didn't work very well. And she was giving him some feedback and uh, he had a hard time with the nature of the feedback and also perceiving that he was being rejected. And he, I think, you know, said some harsh words to her Uh in an email and uh, he'd only gone out with her once, you know, for lunch. And he didn't really ask her some really important questions. So I take a deep breath and I say, what do I need to know, you know? Mm-hmm. I try to identify what the issue is and what the feeling is underneath. And then repeat it back to the person. Oh, so you're upset that um, I didn't make enough time uh, Thursday night to hang out with you after being uh, busy all day. You know, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I told you that. You're right. You know, I forgot about it. Um, so owning up to what you've done wrong, when owning a mistake. Everybody makes a mistake mistakes i make many in a day yeah and just saying i make a mistake well okay let me see how i can do better with this next time
1: yeah i think you're hitting the table a second with your yeah
0: yeah so um yeah say
1: that again say that one more time because that's so important what you just said just yeah
0: okay what was it in reference to again
1: so you, <laughs> so you said, <laughs> I'll just repeat it back because I want to make sure everyone heard it because there's a little bit of sound. So you said, um, I want to, you know, you said, I listen for the feeling underneath, like you listen for the need and the, what their, their interest is, their feedback, but also the feeling underneath what they said. And then you said, then you, you repeat it back to them. You summarize what you heard.
0: Yeah, was, and that's straight out of the mediation playbook. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. therapy too, but it's really out of the mediation playbook. I repeat back my understanding of it, and it'll be refined. It'll go back and forth. I may not get it the first time. Yeah, I may say, oh, so you meant, and the person, I say it, whatever it is, and the person will say to me, no, 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 it's not quite that. It's this, Yeah, and I say, oh, so it's this, and they'll say, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. And when I hear someone, you can feel it. You can also feel it when someone knows that you agree with them. Oh, it's a form of appreciation, really.
1: Appreciation
0: yeah. for their and connection, song, you,
1: yeah, and connection.
0: And they and you get it. You say, "Got it, got it." Oh boy! And then sometimes I'll say a little bit about it. I'll say, I- I can understand why that was so hard. Or I can see. Yeah, I can see where you got angry about that. I can see why you might be a little angry. And then the person might say, "Yeah, I did get angry, you know." And back and forth. Yeah, oh, that's something I can change. I think yeah. I can change that. You know, I might need a little help. Um, like your mom and I have a great. Uh, we do a great thing in the car, right? We started it when we first started. You know, when you're in a car with someone, right? And they don't never know who drives the same as the next next person. Nobody. No, nobody. So nobody. So the person is doing something that you might not do, and maybe they're scaring you, or maybe they're whatever. They're not scaring you, or they're not moving toward the destination quickly enough. How do you give them feedback? Right. You know, we have, we have we have little hand signals. Like um, if I'm, if we have little. We've That's developed this. Like I. Genius. Yeah. Like this is a simple one. I always put my seatbelt on after I start the car going down the road. And your mom it irritates her. So we worked out this thing where I said, Look, don't tell me about it. I don't yeah. want to ever hear it. <laughs> yeah. I said, What I want you to do is tap me on the arm. She yeah. said, Tap you on the arm? I said, Yeah, just tap me. And she said, Okay. And she tapped me on the arm. And I put on my seatbelt. It's Brilliant. magic and it, elim- it, it eliminates the tone of voice.
1: No conversation. Um, irritation. Yeah.
0: No, no conversation. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. sh- sh- yeah. <laughs> you know, now you could take that in and do that with all kinds of stuff. And I've, I've coached people to do that in all kinds of situations. It's you know, brilliant. Um, it's
1: really brilliant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That,
1: right. It's like, you. and I just, I want to highlight this. So part of being, having a healthy, secure relationship is, like I said, in my TEDx talk, emotional responsiveness. And so it sounds uh-huh. like to me, what you just said was emotionally, it was probably hard for my mom to see that your seatbelt wasn't on. I have a feeling it was hard for her emotionally. And so you were emotionally responsive to that need of her because it felt so strong probably for her. But instead of having the conversation over and over again, you said, this will make it a lot easier for both of us. Um, Can we do this? Yeah. Yeah. And that's emotional responsiveness in relationships. So I just want everyone to hear like that was both that's Mark really listening and attuning and being able to respond to something that might be something someone else could be like, oh, that's not important. I'm not going to listen or validate your need. Whatever. I can do this, you know, but he cares. And he cares about the relationship and he knows that even though it's a small thing, it's going to have a a bigger consequence if he's not re- emotionally responsive to that small thing later, it could have a consequence in the bedroom. It could have a consequence in the kitchen. It could have a consequence two months later. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because little misses, you mentioned a consequences later on, either in the bedroom or whatever, planning a vacation. Yeah. Anger, when you're angry at someone and you don't have a way of resolving it or you have to resolve quite a bit of it, it builds up and it creates distance. Yeah. Anger is a distancing emotion. Yeah. It's not yeah. an attach, attachment emotion, you know. No,
1: it's not so, come here. It's not come hither.
0: Met, no. <laughs> exactly. It's not come hither. It's like later, you know. <laughs> so I, I, so whether we, we developed that one, but it could be something that you use around someone speeding. It could be something around yeah. A, yeah. being in talking out of turn somewhere or Mm. not paying enough. You you could have it yeah, there's there is no limitation to how you could structure feedback, you know, with hand signals or a tap or and it's becomes secret supportive language,
1: Mm. which
0: it's kind of cool. It's very cool. It's very loving. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, I mean, pr- this would
1: be great with children too. I'm thinking like certain certain kind of thing communication with children, like, oh, this is a reminder. We're just going right. to do this hand signal.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you just reminded something. I have a three and a half year old grandson, and <clears throat> I could work a couple of things out with him. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cute. That would be, be awesome. a whirlwind.
0: Oh, my goodness, it'd be a whirlwind. That would um, be awesome.
1: And so. Yes. And so if, you're, um, if your partner, we kind of covered this, but I even want to cover it more because it's so important for relationships. So if your partner comes to you in emotional distress, maybe about their day, maybe even about you, they're just like in emotional distress. So that could be crying, that could be anger, that could be hurt. Yeah. Like what, what do you do?
0: How, Boy, that's such a good question. Yeah. Now you're going right to some tough, you're going right to the tough stuff here. Yeah. So what I would say is if someone is really upset and I'm in a good place, remember self care, if right. someone tells me they're upset,
1: yeah. I
0: try to immediately check in myself and decide is this a good time for me to help them okay. depending on what I think. So I might ask a question like, is this really large? you need you know because you know i'm not in a good place right now maybe i should talk to you in 10 minutes okay or an hour so what i try to do is if i'm going to have to support somebody i try to make sure that i have the capacity once i determine that i have the capacity if they tell me they're upset mm-hmm. i try to limit what i'm going to say and listen let them express themselves let them discharge the whatever it is that they that they have on their in their heart, you know. There's an old therapeutic technique called uh, "What's on top," and uh, mm. being patient with someone and listening to whatever they have on their mind. Let them just whatever speak, you know, kind of gesticulate, get angry, you know, and nod my head. Sounds like you're pretty angry, you know, until they can calm down. Or if they're crying, oh, I can see you're really hurt. You're really hurting about this. Okay, I'll ask them some questions, not try to shut it down. Just yeah. say, yeah, well, keep going. I'm just you know, going to pause support. you for
1: real quick because you just did something that is so powerful, which is mirroring what I call mirroring, what I learned in my therapeutic training, which is called mirroring, which yeah. is it seems like you're really hurting right now. And so, all right. you're doing in that moment, and this is, and I just want to really speak to the men because I know that in me- male culture, there's not as much this communication as much as in female culture that I see anyway. And so it's a skill that is so simple, but so powerful. And what he's doing is he's just mirroring. He's just he's hearing that she's hurt or feeling sad. Oh, it seems like you're feeling hurt or sad. And what happens when you mirror, when you say those words, is the person feels heard, seen, felt, um, yeah, and loved.
0: Yeah. Loved. I mean, you're making a connection with someone that's very, very, very powerful. Now, they, you know, so all, all the men out there who are listening to this podcast, I don't do this perfectly <laughs> no. all the time. No, maybe I mean, Yes. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, my, uh, my partner will get, will get tipped at me for not listening well enough. And my job then at that moment is to listen to her and say okay yeah, I i didn't do this in the way i should have you know let's okay let's try it again we'll run it you know i sometimes i've even asked start it all over again let's try this again yeah let's take it right great. back from the beginning you know or just continue and i'll try to get it you know um beautiful and we're not perfect you know and and then you nobody's have about, perfect at
1: this nope. nobody's
0: perfect yeah, great you have to point. think about who you had as role models to do this stuff i don't know about you i have wonderful parents but Right. They actually had ground rules that they, um, utilized, but, it, and I can tell you was not mirroring empathy. Right. It was something else. It worked for them, but right. it wasn't mirroring. I can tell you that.
1: Right. You learn this exactly outside of your family. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. yep. Okay. So you were running through it when I paused you. So you would say, you know, Yeah. I'm hearing that you're feeling this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is it looks like. It it looks like this is really hard. Tell me more about it. You know, my training is really about get it all out, help the people get it all out, you know, Mm -hmm. be present with them, keep your own agenda to yourself. You don't need to say anything about their pain really that tries to rationalize it, make it go away, make it better. you don't have to say anything all you have to do is listen and let them discharge Um, and that's sometimes that's all they need and they start to clear up you can see their face start to clear and they're laughing sometimes or you know oh thank you you know so i think there's a lot of tendency in men because men are is to to solve the problem yeah yeah oh we can figure this out we can solve it rationally Rationally, I'm, I'm not saying that I do this. I'm just saying right. that's a tendency. Yeah. And it takes work to be there with someone and to just yeah. be patient.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. To be emotionally Dang. empathic. Exactly. Um, and if you're another really key skill in relationship, and this is one of the skills that I teach in my work, which is self-soothing, and so I'm curious, yeah, for you as this as a man in relationship, we talked about how important it is for self care. Like, how do you if say that you're really upset, and maybe instead of going to your partner first, or maybe your partner is not around, and so you need to self soothe. Um, Maybe, yeah, nobody, family and friends are not around. And so you just really want to self-soothe for yourself. How do you self-soothe when you're in emotional distress?
0: Good question. You know, I never thought about it as, excuse me, technique or, you know, if I'm upset, like I've I've had some anxiety in the last few days Uh um, with the coronavirus, Yeah, I'll go for a walk. You know, I will go for a walk by myself or with someone else. I am a big, I listen to music. Um, Mm -hmm. I use music a lot because I believe that music is very special.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And so I might put on some very relaxing melodies. I have, you know, a playlist I like, and I might listen to that for five or 10 minutes. What I try to do is not take in additional information. Like some people, Mm -hmm. like I don't, I don't listen to any news in the morning when I get up. I move into my day by listening to music, preparing food for myself. I may read, um, but they're generally inspirational things because I need that. So I self sued through, um, I guess you'd call it non-linguistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. More really walking
1: music. Yeah.
0: Right. I might make food. I might start preparing food. Mm-hmm. You know, I might go shopping, just get in the car and go shopping and say, oh, I'm a little tense right now. I think I'll go shopping. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm not looking to buy a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. the, the discipline of of choosing mm-hmm. of selecting will mm-hmm. um, kind of help me relax. I'll do, you know what it is? I got it. I try to do something that's comforting in a familiar way.
1: Mm. Interesting. That, yeah. that
0: brings me like swimming. Like when I'm, I used to do a lot of swimming. I haven't been swimming in the last, Couple of months because of an injured shoulder, but yeah, your mom and I. Matter of fact, it's one of the things we've been doing together for years. We swim a lot. Swimming, I consider swimming a med, a, a moving meditation, a breathing meditation. I don't think about actually swimming, le- how many lengths, Mm-mm. but yeah. really, it's a breathing meditation, and I am in a transformed state when I finish.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful way to, to calm yourself as well as get just become present and in touch with yourself.
0: Tai Chi does that too.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Tai Chi can do that.
1: Um, What does integrity mean to you? And how does a man show up? This is a big question. So first of all, I want to ask, what does integrity mean to you? And then the second question is, how does a man show up in integrity in relationship with a woman? Like, what does that look like? Do you think?
0: Integrity. This is a really important, this is a great question for me because I've been working on building my, my integrity, my entire life. Mm. And, um, that has a lot to do with having a very honest father, but growing up in an environment, that condone some corruption or cheating mm. and mm-hmm. so it's a very uh, important thing and I think about it as working on personal honesty like being a genuine person being authentic that people can see you and, and trust what you say or that you're going to do what you say you're going to do or treat them with re- with respect mm-hmm. um, you know that you have principles and that you're going to honor be and honor that. Mm. Now, do you make mistakes? Have I made mistakes? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That, and you, and we carry shame around that in our lives. And so you have to work on forgiving yourself for what you've done. Yeah. And that forgiveness is part of the pursuit of integrity. Mm. So you, you claim shame. Yeah. And then you, by doing that, you can talk it over with a friend or a therapist or your partner and you claim it. And then it's yours and you can move on. Yeah. And then you want them to know about relationship, right?
1: Yeah. Like how does a man show up in integrity in relationship with a woman? What does that look like?
0: Well, that's a tricky one. You know, I, I, that's a, that's a good one. I think, I, you know, I don't ever, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it a lot. Um, but I can tell you what it means to me, which is that you you honor the other person's path and the self-care they need to take for themselves as much as you honor yours. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. other words, you have to do your self-care and you have your path, whatever it is, and they also do. And that you're going to come together sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're not going to come together. Mm-hmm. And you might not get your way. Right. Your, your Your view of the world might not be the one that's chosen by the couple, by the the joint parties. And you have to be willing, ready to to negotiate, Mm -hmm. to be able Mm -hmm. to declare your ideas and your preferences and feelings. Right. And then be able to listen to them and take in theirs because you're not always going to match. It's not always going to be fit. And I know, I'm, I know maybe you've heard me say this before, there's, to be with someone in a relationship, of course you need to love them, but you can love many, many people in yes. many different ways, yes. but you, to live with someone, you have to fit. Yeah, yeah. The fit is critical to me, is yeah. you know, how do you resolve conflict? Yeah. That, it's not about love, it's yeah. about how are you going to do this? How do you fit together? Are you going to work it out? Yeah. So I don't know if that's what you wanted. If I answered yeah. your question.
1: No, it yeah. is. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And underneath, you know, I'll just add one thing that I think you were saying underneath things, which is that just honesty, right? Oh. To me, honesty is so, so huge in terms of integrity. When I think about integrity, it's like being honest with yourself and honest with your partner. And, and that's, you know, can be challenging, but it really creates, to me, it's like creates that flow of communication, understanding, connection.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And, and that's why, like, you know, one of the things I think about with that question is like, you know, if a man, a man is in integrity, if he's, you know, maybe he's dating a woman and he knows in his heart that he isn't really ready for a relationship right now because, you know, maybe he just needs to put his career first or maybe he just got out of a relationship. And so if that's, if a man's an in integrity, he will tell that woman, this is where I'm at, this is what my needs are. And then that woman can make a decision based on what he tells her. Right. So, right. um, you know, I just want to stress, it's like, You know, we all, or yeah, if a man's like, wow, I really like this woman. And right now all I'm up for is casual sex, right? Mm. That is a hundred percent in integrity for him to share that and to be totally honest and truthful and not play games around that, right? right? Right. And same with a woman. A woman could totally be in that place too. And that's really high integrity for her to just be honest with herself and this person about what her needs are, what her availability is, what her emotional availability is in terms of connection and relationship. And I think a lot of our, you know, relationship issues would be solved in our society if people were just in integrity and honesty around kind of where they're at and what they're available for. And so, you know, if you need help getting clarity around that, sometimes it's really about getting clarity in terms of that, you know, just really seeking help. I encourage everyone to seek help to get that clarity and I'm available to help you get that clarity around what it is that you really need and want and desire in relationship and what you're available for. That Um, can
0: be so hard to express. I mean, it, it can be hard depending on the relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. My next question is, um, I want to touch into the kid piece for a minute here, which is why did you have kids and what, what did that teach you about love?
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> Children. Well, what well, I think, um, I decided to have children because I was married to someone at the time who really wanted a child and people around her, including her, some family members were having children. Mm -hmm. And I never ruled out children. I guess underneath, I always thought I would probably have children, but Mm -hmm. I find a lot of men, men are not the drivers to have children. (laughs) Women have the biocultural imperative most of the time. Some men do, but some men do, but women are usually in the position, I mean, men cannot have children without women, you know? Right. So, totally. Right. totally. Right. So, um, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they can. Men can have children without women. Well, all women it's somewhere has to deliver the child. You yeah. can adopt it. You can be in a relationship with another man decide you want a children yep. them, and find out how to do that. Sorry again. But yeah. for me, what it was, was um, I thought it would be, it was new. It was fascinating. It was, I knew I would learn. Yeah. And I love transformation. I mean, kind yeah. of that's what I'm addicted to in my life is transformation. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, wow, we're going to change. This is going to be, could be pretty exciting. So little did I know what it would all be. You know, <laughs> I didn't really understand, but it would totally change my life. And uh, in ways that were challenging, hard work, and yeah. just incredibly rewarding. Yeah. I, I can't say anything other than that. It happened to me. I decided to do it again yeah. within four years yeah. with the same woman. Yeah. And then we split up. And then years later, I actually, um, 11 years after I had my second child, I actually had another child with yeah. a different person. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, all three of those experiences profoundly influenced my life and continue to do so because once you, you have a child forever, I mean, they're not your child. They're not a child. Now they're an adult, and they're in your life as an adult who's your child. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. I can tell you. It's like it's so wonderful. So I don't know. I so I've learned a
1: lot. What did they teach you? What did these children teach you about
0: love? Oh, that love takes that to 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 receive all the love. Mm. there is to receive from those relationships. You have to be patient. Mm. It's up to you how you hold yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be patient, compassionate. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to show up and be there for that person. Yeah. Um, and in a way that you never thought possible, because children do not take care of you. No. <laughs> Ever. You have to take care of them. So that's why self-care is so important. Because when you're in a relationship with a child, I mean, when they're older, it's different. But when they're young, they show up as needy, Yeah, Big time. you know, and Lots you have to, to take care of them. And it's, you know, matter of fact, this is a great question. You asked me a, such an important question. When I was dating and in the beginning of online dating, I started to do some dating. One of the things I looked for was I didn't know how to phrase it. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't date someone who didn't have either had raised children already mm-hmm. or who had done something else in their life that would have challenged them the same way, taking care of an elder, right. being, a, being a teacher of uh, primary uh, school children, students. Yeah. Children, yeah, In other words, that person had to be, I had to know that person put out way more than you would yeah. normally do. It normally do because that would mean with the person of the capacity to be in a relationship with me, because that's not easy. Yeah.
1: Beautiful. And so I want to, we're going to end with this question um, for all the women who are listening, who are single or looking for a partner. Um, what do you recommend is the number one quality to look for when you think about it, like to look for in a man when you are dating, what is, what, what do you kind of recommend to the women out there who are listening to look for in a man?
0: Whoa. Good questions, Maya. You ask good questions. I can tell you've been doing this work. (laughs) These lucky women. Um, I think, um, it's a combination of, it's two things, but it's all under the rubric of uh, emotional intelligence. Um, because I, I'm thinking you know, of my the thing that jumped into my mind was my father who said mm. to me, from, mm-hmm. from a more traditional place, he said to me, Mark, you always have to respect women. And you do not ever, you're not ever with a woman unless she wants to be with you. You never force yourself upon her. You are you are holding her in a certain way. Now it's not the way that I would use holding. It's slightly different. Yeah. But what he meant was you are you're providing a safe environment for her. You're giving her safety. Yeah. So safety, emotional intelligence, respect, good listening skills. The emotional intelligence to me is smart. you know, I think I've always told you it's for me it's smart and heart. It's like when I was looking yeah, for Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Smart and heart. I love it.
0: Yeah. Smart and hard. I'm looking for someone who's smart and someone who has heart. And that heart is EI, is a a heart around emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. You know, that they are, that they, if if you want someone successful, that's fine. You can, you can just take that and add it on. You want someone that is, uh, has more economic resources than you? Okay, fine. Add that on. But if you don't have the heart and smart in the center, um, you, are, you may have a difficult time because I'm going to say this and you can see it in the world around us. You can make, you can make a lot of money and you can be successful in the world. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're smart or have emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. You could be smart in a very narrow area. That doesn't mean you make a great person to be with. Mm-mm. No way. No way. Yeah. No. And for, I think for some people that's a, a harsh harsh reality when they when they figure it out
1: (laughs) but that's so brilliant and so important for women to hear because you know when we're young girls we're taught like find someone who's successful right that is one of the biggest things that women are taught is that right 100 percent. yeah like find that you know prince charming who is can provide for you well you know what provide most people think yeah financially that's kind of the old it's the old paradigm that's that's leaving us but it's very much kind of wired in women which is because, because our literal material security was dependent on men for hundreds of years in order to survive because we didn't work before financially it's still wired in women now to look for that Provide, provide, provide financial security and for men to be providers to be financially successful, right? But then, exactly, if there's not that emotional maturity, emotional intelligence, emotional responsiveness, then it's going to be, you know, really hard to have that healthy relationship. So, um, so yeah, brilliant. I love that we're ending on this point, just exactly where we began, full circle.
0: That's great. It's uh, great. This is quite the conversation. I want to yeah. thank you for the opportunity to engage.
1: Yeah, it's been really, really fun. Thank you so much. I so, so appreciate you taking the time to do this and to delve deep and open up about your life and your history and what's important to you. And I really think it's going to be, it's just so helpful for all the listeners out there to really deepen around these topics. So um, thank you so much, Mark, and we will see you on SE, everyone, soon.
0: Yep. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Rewire Your Attachment Style. This is Maya Diamond. To receive your two free gifts to help you on your journey to lasting love and to start rewiring your attachment style today, go to empowerlove.us forward slash love.